Ladies, gentlemen, and all non-binary identifying individuals, we can finally stop holding our breath for a moment because the 2020 presidential election is over. Obviously, these past eight months have been something of the extraordinary, but the previous 40 months had plenty of insanity as well. Joe Biden has defeated Donald Trump in what most Americans believe to be a reasonable and fair election. And I'm here today with somebody who, like me, spent a lot of time thinking about politics this year. 2020 had such an enormous impact that my good friend and housemate decided to work the polls in Goleta for four days with me. Uh, He is a man of many talents. He is a 49er faithful and he is an aspiring fantasy football champion. He is Ian Weeks. Welcome to Potty Train Me. Thank you for having me, Greg. It's an honor to be a guest on this show. I mean, obviously, longtime listener. And uh, yeah, just can't wait to talk about the polls. Well, I'm equally excited to have you here. I'm not sure we've spent enough time together in the last three months being stuck <laughs> in such a small space and everything. So this is really solidifying the bond. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Now, I know this is primarily a sports podcast, but we've seen sports and politics become a lot more intertwined this year, and it's impossible to ignore this historic time. So I think we can agree that working the polls was a completely interesting and worthwhile experience, and it's fitting that we had so much diversity in not only age or race and ethnicity, but also in personality with our crew. I mean, after all, that is what makes the United States of America special. Do you think it's even possible to sum up what this group was like in just a sentence or two? I mean, I feel like it was truly a motley crew of people that were, I mean, it was great. They're all there to work the polls. They're all very interesting people. I don't think you can possibly describe a group of people the same way you can't describe a group of Americans because they're all very different people. We're very... A country full of different people. Well said. It is an all-star cast, to say the least. (laughs) So what I want to do here really is we're going to tell you some of our best moments over this four-day span, some of the worst moments, and then some of the most ridiculous slash bizarre moments that are going to go down in history for us, really. (laughs) I mean, we'll be telling these stories for years. So I guess, you know, as the guest, I want to start with you first. Let's start with the good. I want to start with the positive. I suppose for the sake of maintaining privacy, we'll leave some people's names out of it, although we mostly have good things to say for most of the individuals. There may be a couple exceptions. Uh, (laughs) What's on your list of one of the best moments? One of the best moments was the first day we get there, one of the poll workers, Gary. I'm just going to name him. It's just easier for me here. Yeah, go for it. First thing, I see him. I'm a fashionable guy. I like to think of myself as a fashionable guy. This guy's outfit just blew me away. Absolutely. I mean, not even speaking to him, it blew me away. First of all, we got the red polo, classic. (laughs) We got the brown cargo shorts, another classic. And really the the peak part of the outfit was the footsie shoes. You know, the ones with the toes? Yeah, yeah, of course. And he wore a different pair of footsie shoes every day. And on that first day, those cargo shorts, they were unzippable. He unzipped them, and he had these knee-length black socks. And it was just, I mean, it was just an impeccable outfit, and it made me so happy just seeing him. That was probably one of the best moments. Just a silly thing to think about, but so great. He for sure had the hardest drip, and there was no debate about it. I also can confirm that Ian is a fashionable guy because he has some pretty insane artifacts such as the cigarette earrings uh mm-hmm. name a few uh <laughs> we both have avocado socks so that's nice you got banana socks pizza socks i'm a big sock guy he's a big sock guy <laughs> i'm more of a flip-flop guy here in isla vista but it's starting to get cold and miserable so it might have to transition into the sock world hmm okay well i'm gonna say one of my good stories there was a older man in about his early 70s And hearing his story and how he got into writing was probably the coolest thing of the four-day span for me because I start talking to the guy because I tell him that I'm also going to do a writing minor here and how it's something I kind of got into. Uh, Turns out this guy, why he got into writing was he was diagnosed with HIV, I think, in the early 90s. 
and was told he had 18 more months to live. And so he quit his job and then just kind of hung in there and, you know, stuck it out. And eventually his friend said, well, if you aren't going to die, you should write. So he and his friend get together and it turns out they write a novel. I should ask him what the novel was. I kind of want to read it now. See if there's anything interesting. But yeah, so he's like all of a sudden writes this novel and then he's told he probably won't make it into the new millennium. Uh, So he's also done some academic writing. Uh, Now he's moved on to poetry. And here we are in 2020 and this guy is still standing strong, doing his thing and helping people vote and make their voice heard in the middle of a pandemic. So I was just like, wow, like that's really incredible. And it also made me think this is why I miss people because when you go places and talk to others, you can learn so much about any given individual. Like everyone has a story, but you can't learn these things without stopping and talking to people and learning where life has taken them. So in that moment of amazement, I really just thought two things. And one of them was what a crazy experience this man had. So amazing that he's still here. And the second one was fuck this pandemic. I am over it. (laughs) I know. I mean, you brought up a good thing, uh, a very important thing in that, you know, the poll working, that was like the first time that I've interacted with that many strangers since the pandemic started and being able to talk to so many different people. That's just not a part of our, our regular life anymore. We're sort of, more secluded now and i mean yeah it was a very powerful thing yeah and well i mean we see the same what 12 people and it's pretty rare that we all get together and most of the time it's outside so on the scale of isla vista we're pretty responsible (laughs) i wish other people were more of the same but yeah that's a good point we didn't really interact with strangers at all in the last eight months so Totally nice change of pace, despite having midterms and election stress on top of that. But I I know there was more than just Gary's drip. Yeah, no, of course, there was more than Gary's drip. Also, I think it's important to note that Gary and the man that you mentioned, they're Mm -hmm. actually married. And there was another couple there as well. So a couple, like multiple, like, uh, you know, spouses volunteered together, which I think was a really cool thing. Um, And one of them acted like a married couple, especially when they were griping <laughs> at the end. Uh, oh the other pair was much more chill. Yeah, definitely a, <laughs> some disparity in, uh, in relationship healthiness there, but we don't have to get into that now. Uh, another, another instance I can think of was, uh, was uh, this, this old lady who was working the polls. I'll leave her nameless. Um, but she was just such an unproblematic queen, just like an amazing woman. And I loved talking to her because she was just so calm and so nice and very like assuring. I guess a, a maternal figure is perhaps a, a trite way of describing it, but she was just so amazing. And she told me about her life. We were able to make so many cool connections. Turns out she had lived in the town in which I grew up in, Walnut Creek, and we were able to talk about the different parts of downtown. It was just fun being able to connect with random people. Yeah, no, that woman you're describing... It was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to pick favorites, but if I was to pick favorites, (laughs) she's right up there. Uh, I think mother figure is actually a pretty nice thing to say because she did have a kid that was about our age and we got to hear all about it. And she was really sweet. Not to mention she was also stationed with the (laughs) uh, more conflicted married couple, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she helped temper them, definitely made it bearable to be in that part of the the polling station she was also so grateful like we were overstaffed so there really wasn't a lot to do except on tuesday when there was a little more to do right but i would just do something like start tearing off stickers so people could get them you know in a little already pre-torn off piece and she was just so grateful when i was standing there tearing off the stickers i was like wow like people don't have to be so nice all the time this is awesome (laughs) So I, I think that's definitely a good a good thing to put in your top three, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess another one I would go with is I was kind of a floater because, once again, we were overstaffed. So sometimes I was inside and sometimes I was outside. And I started learning outside was a lot of fun. They were <laughs> really a good vibe because people could come drop off their mail-in ballots out front in this little box. And every time they would do it, we'd just 
check the date and the signature. And if they were turning it in on behalf of somebody else, we just had to make sure the procedure was all good there. And when they dropped it in, we all just started cheering and clapping. <laughs> and a lot of people were taken by surprise, but I think most people really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, over four days, you kind of got to start finding ways to entertain yourself. But not only did it make us feel good, I thought it made the people who were working there, you know, feel pretty good too. So yeah, it was definitely a fun energy. I mean, I was mostly indoors, um, you know, and you could even hear the the cheers coming from outside. I remember the first couple of days, everyone was just so confused as to what the hell was happening out there. Uh, but it was just y'all cheering for the voters. Yeah. And they should be cheered for because they came out to vote in a fucking pandemic. Yeah, so absolutely. I mean, voting's an important part of being a citizen. Probably the only part of being a citizen. Yeah, and we had a lot of people vote across the country, so you know, yeah. we got those numbers up. Uh, what is your what's your number three? Oh, this was a tough one, um, but you remember we had lunch with uh, those two older gentlemen. Oh that, yeah, they've been working the polls since the late eighties. They they had really just seen everything, and they were both immigrants, both very interesting men, and uh, one of them. Well, actually, both of them. They both talked to us about stamps. You remember that? <laughs> How <laughs> could I forget? We had lunch. They invited us over and, we, you know, we sat down and we were probably a little reluctant because we kind of just wanted to chill. It was our lunch break, but they seemed like nice men. And and all of a sudden, you know, out of the blue, we we're just kind of quiet. And uh, this one man, he's like, so what uh, What president do you think had the largest stamp collection? <laughs> <laughs> and uh proceeded to we, we guessed we guessed wrong I, I, was it fdr that had the it was fdr it was fdr that had the largest stamp collection i'll remember that for a while now and then they proceeded to like go on this story about how stamps used to be so important and like penny stamps people used to line up at the post office to get stamps it was just a it was a funny story that i didn't expect to ever you know learn about and there it was there there i learned about it, it was funny we also learned the tragedy of Eleanor Roosevelt selling the stamp collection right, after as, FDR as soon, passed. Yeah. <laughs> as it goes with stamp collections, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to what we mentioned before with this is what happens when you just go out and about and talk to people. It's you just learn all these random interesting things. Yeah. And it's great. Pretty much. <laughs> and if you have a social personality, then it's a beautiful thing. So Maybe by next spring, we can get this kind of joy again. <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully. Ooh, okay. Well, my last thing might have been my favorite moment just because there was a lot of downtime and it was really chill, but this moment was far from chill. So do you remember when the cameraman from a local news network came into the building? I, I will never forget that. Yeah. Yes, of course. So <laughs> one of our guys, uh, I mean... Just to sum up what this guy was like, he, like, didn't properly wear his mask, like, 87% of the time. It was a migrating mask, and really, every <laughs> time I saw him, it was in a different spot, but never in the correct spot, you know? Yeah, kind of a grumpy dude, uh, <laughs> and was really just, in a way, all biz, but in a way, didn't give a flying fuck. Yeah, he was on his phone for, I'd say, the majority of the time at the polling place. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to having your ballot receipt, then he was like full hands-on. He was very, very particular about that. Yeah. <laughs> so this news network guy comes into the building and this guy who we were just talking about, our fellow coworker, was pissed. Like he started <laughs> freaking out about how they had to be 25 feet outside of the building. Like he read the full rule book PDF on this one. Uh, and if he was going to do interviews, he couldn't talk to any of us. He could only talk to our leads and maybe some voters. And then the cameraman tried to reassure him and said he had some local officials approval to be there. And <laughs> the coworker was like, well, where's the written statement? And he goes, oh, well, like I so-and-so told me I could be here. And then he just starts listing off names. <laughs> President Nixon, Benedict Arnold, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> President Nixon again. And, like, I think to make the point that it didn't matter who said he could come in, we needed the official proof. But he just went on a full-on rant and started listing off names. And it was funny, but really uncomfortable at the same time. 
I mean, it was great that everyone was so mellow and calmly let our leads deal with it. But this one guy is just harassing this young News Network employee who's probably in his like early 30s. Yeah, it was so funny because he was usually a very sedated kind of guy, sort of just chilling. And then all of a sudden he <laughs> leaps up and is just like screaming at this, you know, cameraman who doesn't really know any better. And it's it was a very funny moment. <laughs> Uh, I guess when you get older, you have the tendency to fixate on little things, but I don't know. I don't really much, have an explanation for that. Yeah. It was very much like a get off my lawn kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was, uh, but yeah, I'm never going to hear the words president Nixon the same ever again. I'm just going to think president Nixon. Benedict Arnold. <laughs> I like how that was his first example too. <laughs> it was so obscure. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, that was, I mean, that's forever burned in my brain. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> well, let's move to some of the worst because we got some good ones out of the way, but it's not like it was a perfect four days. There was, no, no. I mean, there were some painful moments. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just a consequence of four days with the same group of people eventually you start driving each other crazy. I mean, and, you know, they're nice people, obviously. They're volunteering their time. But, uh, you know, there's personalities that are clashing. And there was there was two Lins. I say Lins because Lynn was at the end of their name, and they were they were fighting. Is it the like the time. scene in Ted where they start list, listing off the names? <laughs> Corny Lynn, Tammy Lynn. Yeah, let's just pretend Corey Lynn, Tammy Lynn. And they had beef, you know, but they were very passive aggressive about it all. And they used me and Greg as sort of go-betweens. And they thought that we were on their side, you know, separately on their side. So they'd always come up to us and be like, and it was quite (laughs) uncomfortable, honestly. Like by the end of the four days, I mean, they're just, they got a lot of beef and it was awful. Yeah, no, they built up a lot of beef for sure. The two lens were... Quite different in their personalities. Uh, also a little bit different in their mask wearing policy. <laughs> One of them was anti-mask and had a face shield, but was very much a close talker. Absolutely. She would lift up the, it was, you know, she was a bit shorter than us and she would go up to us real close with the face shield on and lift her head up. So in all reality, it's just a direct airway right to our face and then just start talking. And it was like, that was her prefer- preferred you know, form of communication. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if I get COVID, like, I guess I had to understand there was some semblance of risk when I decided to work the polls. Yeah. And I guess it was that kind of thing right there where I was like, you know what? I don't have the heart to (laughs) tell her to just fuck off. She was incurring the more risk because she was, you know, an old woman. Yeah. Right. Well, (laughs) yeah, that was a good one. Um, I feel bad because I'm actually kind of bashing the same guy who listed off the names of President Nixon, Benedict Arnold, et cetera, et cetera. But I promise this is my last story about him. Uh, another one of the another one of my worst was we had these 10 minute breaks we were allowed. And even though most of the time we we're working, we didn't do a whole lot, but you went to go take one of your 10 minute breaks. And this was right around when I'm, putting out tape, like little X's that were six feet apart in the event that there was a line for people who finished at the voting booth and were ready to turn in their ballots because we were all about the safety. And this guy starts fixating on the mail-in, I'm sorry, fixating on the line and how we have to minimize the line and keep the distance, but also keep everybody away from him even though he wasn't a great mask wearer and like at its best, which is kind of like flat pressed against <laughs> his face. <laughs> so he spends 10 minutes giving me the same lecture and going over the same, like <laughs> proceeding in just entirely different words. And I keep being like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure it'll be okay. He's like, yeah, but I'm just saying that. And like, which just keep, and I was just like, Oh my God, get me out of this conversation, please. Like it was rough. And I don't know. At one point he said, thanks for your hard work to both of us. And I thought he was straight up being sarcastic and being a dick because all we were doing was putting down tape. I don't think he was being sarcastic, but it's kind of bad that that was my first thought. Yeah, it's just that's just the vibe that he <laughs> created when you talked to him. You were just automatically a little afraid of him. Um, I don't know if he meant to, to put that off, but it was it was off putting to say the least. And granted, 
when he's freaking out about freaking out about this wine thing, we had never had more than like five voters in there at once. And we never had a line of more than three people at that point. So there was no his worry was was pretty much unfounded. Right. And the like, I mean, the amount of precincts in our area was so many more per population than in a lot of states. And half the people that were showing up were just dropping off their mail-in ballots up front. Yeah, no, it, it was ridiculous. But it... <laughs> And I got the whole lecture about how we had to possibly open the doors to the conference room and just let the line out that way into the lobby, which I'm pretty sure the hotel didn't want. No. So uh, if you were wondering, it didn't end up being a problem, but <laughs> he was very, very concerned about it for a good 10 minutes. And I had to... Uh, I received the bad end of that worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, there was more than one bad moment, wasn't there? Of course. Um, it's sort of hard for me to distinguish, you know, bad from bizarre, because for me, the bad and the bizarre are mixed quite frequently. I totally know? agree. I came away from the experience with a lot of memories that are, will stick in my head as being quite bizarre and tinted <laughs> with some negativity. Uh, the Lynn, the the one with the face shield, she uh, had this one rant and it really bugged me because it was, it was very odd. It was about <laughs> Eastern European women, <laughs> specifically Eastern European women uh, marrying American men, moving over here to the United States and then just sort of bending them to their will or something. I mean, I, again, I, I couldn't quite understand what her point was, but it basically was European women are bad because they break American men and use them for their money. And I have a very personal, I have a very personal, <laughs> my aunt is Eastern European, she's Polish, and my uncle is American, and she moved over here and got married to him, and obviously didn't do the things that Lynn said Eastern European women do. So it was just, I was like, what? How do you even, why is that the thing you fixate on? It was very strange. It was also really weird. Like, I didn't want to argue it because it was about four o'clock and we got there <laughs> at 830. And I think my brain was just like, I don't want to fight about this. But I was really uncomfortable. And yeah, she was saying how like these women will come over with their kids and be all sweet. <laughs> but then once they're locked into marriage, they just like crack the whip and run the show. And I think we started talking about that because we were talking about football and we were talking about <laughs> Tom Brady and I said something about Giselle period. And she's like, Oh, we know she's really running the show there. <laughs> and then just got into her whole rant about the Eastern European woman. I didn't know that about your aunt actually, but I'm sure she's a she's real a hard ass. And <laughs> I mean, she is a bit of a hard ass, but she's a lovely lady and it just, didn't fit the stereotype that the Lynn set across because that is a ridiculous stereotype that I had never even heard of before. Yeah, it felt <laughs> a little forced, if you will. I think I need my next podcast guest to be your uncle so I can interview <laughs> him about his marriage to an Eastern European woman. Yeah, no, that'd be great. <laughs> I would have this Lynn lady on the podcast, except for the fact that I have to spend a good like 45 minutes talking to the Lynn lady. Right, and she stuff. would she would talk over you and start running the show. Let's be honest here. She liked to get her word in, and her word was paragraphs and pages long, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and the facial expressions wouldn't come off on the audio-only track. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why she did the face shield. She had so many different facial expressions that she would just flash at you throughout the day. And you were just, you just would have to like, be like, all right, yeah, that's, what does that mean? I don't know. Didn't she also ask you what my name was on like day three? Yeah, she didn't know your name. I don't think she knew my name either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even though she talked to us so much. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we were just those two guys, you know? Yeah. The, the two boys, the boys. I think we were kind of referred to as the boys. There was the boys and then there was the two uh, other college age but they were girls. They were the there girls. was one other college-aged boy, actually, yeah, he but he was, was outside. He was outside, sort of a separate deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely didn't know his name. No. Okay. No. Wow. Oof. Well, I'm actually going to bring a little bit of sports into my second bad thing because we worked Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Right. One of those days was Sunday. Yep. Sunday means football. 
I was also extremely dead, so it was so hard not to just literally sit there for an hour and keep scrolling <laughs> at all the play-by-plays. But I had to follow the football games on Sunday and wonder why the Packers were physically incapable of tackling Dalvin Cook. <laughs> Cook finished with 163 rushing yards on 30 carries, as well as 63 receiving yards and four total touchdowns. Uh, the Packers scored 22 points that game, so you can already assume the outcome based on Dalvin Cook's four <laughs> touchdowns. Um, yeah, so football was just making me really mad, and I had to remind myself that the only contest that really mattered was the one that was happening the following Tuesday, and the reason that we were at the hotel working the polls. But it was a bad week for my fantasy teams, too, except for the one league where I had Dalvin Cook. Right. Pretty fucking <laughs> miserable, though. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me I had to watch the Niners get whipped by the Seahawks in the lobby every time I went out there. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was the week where Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt again, George Kittle got hurt again, mm-hmm. and DK Metcalf had 27 catches. Just absolutely bullied Emmanuel Mosley just throughout the whole damn game. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad football Sunday. It was, yeah. I think the only positive is that we didn't have to be with Liam, our beloved housemate, who's a Seahawks fan, who was also, I think he was playing me in fantasy that week and beating me. So <laughs> that would have been really unfortunate to be around. No, it would have been, it would have been terrible because the worst part about it was that Seahawks would have been destroying the Niners, but he still would have been complaining about the Seahawks game and critiquing the finer aspects of it. Like, oh, they're playing horribly, defense playing horribly. Can't believe they're allowing Mullins to throw for this many yards, and I'm just sitting there, you know, what was it, 27-14 or something? Like, I would have been really angry. Is there (laughs) anybody outside of, like, British soccer fans slash commentators and Jim Harbaugh who is more dire and negative even when things are going well? (laughs) I can't think of anyone, but yeah. That, that, <laughs> like, not to call out our roommate, but we're getting the Russell Wilson sucks talk. And it's like, he might be like, I mean, maybe he's not MVP right now, but he's really close. He is. Yeah. I mean, the past <laughs> few games have been duds, but you know, he'll pull it together. He always does. Oh, God. Let Russ cook. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I know the bizarre and the bad mix a little bit, but what is your third bad moment? Oh, it's got to be. So going back to that lunch with the stamp talk, (laughs) same guy who mentioned, you know, who who had the largest stamp collection. He also, he gave us some (laughs) advice. He was like, I want to give you some travel advice. And I was like, wow. I mean, you know, this is a very, he he was a very well-traveled man, it seemed. I mean, he'd been born in Alexandria and, uh, in Egypt, new six languages. New six languages was the this this one of the Spanish speakers for for the for the polling station. Even though his native languages were French and Arabic, so a very impressive guy uh, on the service level. And uh, so I was like, oh, I'm very I was very excited to hear what his recommendations are for traveling because I do have a lot of passion for traveling. And the two places he gave the two locations he said you got to go here were Cabo and Palm Desert, and Okay, I mean, I gave it a chance. I was like, those sound like, you know, ostensibly boring places. But the reasoning would made it even worse. Cabo, why go there? He said, there's so many foreigners there. It's like you're not even in Mexico. And that's why he said you, that I should go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, why would I go to Mexico? What's the point of going to Mexico? There's just all foreigners there and there's no Mexican culture, anything Mexican about it. <laughs> And everybody speaks English. And everybody speaks English, <laughs> of course. That was the other thing. Everyone speaks English there. And uh, and then Palm Desert, he just kept talking about the Marriott Resort and how <laughs> lovely it was. And I'm sure it's quite lovely, but <laughs> it was just, it just threw me off quite a bit. And it was bizarre because I was here, I was expecting, you know, these very interesting and, you know, expo- exploratory places where I could adventure and instead, there are places where, uh, you know, an old white couple might enjoy vacationing, which yeah. I guess makes sense because he's an old man. But <laughs> it was a bizarre experience. It was really weird, uh, like many of the stories and same with the uh, whole Eastern European woman talk. I kind of just sat there and like nodded my head 
Yeah, well, you, really, you got to let him yeah. talk. There's no use, you know, arguing. <laughs> he has his opinions, and some 21-year-old's not going to change it. But you just had to sit there and oh, listen man. to it and be like, well, all right, yeah, Cabo, <laughs> Palm Desert. <laughs> <laughs> There's the good, the bad, and the ugly when you're talking to all these people. And I think my last bad moment is my absolute low point of working the polls. So when you went to the bathroom, they wanted you to go all the way through the lobby and back around to the front of the whole conference room, which was our polling place, uh, as opposed to coming back in through the same doors because they automatically locked. And for some reason, the hotel didn't want the whole in-out deal. Right. Whatever. It's Tuesday. It's election day. It's like, I don't know, four o'clock or something. We'd been there since 6.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's like four o'clock. And MSNBC is on in the lobby, you know, whatever. So the same guy who likes Cabo and Palm Desert is apparently went up to the concierge and was like, oh, could you uh, change it to Fox? <laughs> And I was like, oh boy. So every time I went to the bathroom in the last three, four hours of that shift, which was like a good handful of times because we were drinking a lot of caffeine, oh, just yeah. trying to hang in there. A lot of liquid, a lot of water too. Mm-hmm. So I would have to go to the bathroom, walk through the lobby, try not to look at Fox News <laughs> and just learn that the world was potentially ending. So like... You know, I got glued in there, and the man who had the really amazing story about battling through HIV comes by, and he's like, don't look at it. You're going to drive yourself crazy. And I think that was the best advice I got the entire time there. Uh, yeah, it was, like, rough because I just knew it was going well for Trump without really knowing what was going on because I couldn't really, like, lock in. So all I knew was that Florida went red. Lindsey Graham, Lady G, got reelected. Uh, the Senate race wasn't going that well and that Arizona got called too early. So I was not in a good uh, mental space during that last leg of our 15-hour shift. It was quite cerebral. It felt like the world was uh, like changing before my eyes and I was in you know, a Hilton in Goleta at the empty bar staring at that massive 60-inch flat screen with Fox News. Yeah, not really how you want to spend your (laughs) Tuesday night in college. Although I'm sure plenty of people Tuesday night were doing similar things, but in the comfort of their own home. So yeah, I can't say it was that much worse than it would have been if I was at home. That's true, because when I talked to my family after they called me down and were like, yo, we can still win this, I learned that they were also pretty dire and depressed for a good chunk when things were not looking good early. So. Yeah, that was that was the low point. I mean, but you know what? We're past it now. Oh yeah, big chilling. <laughs> uh, did I? Did you just do all your bad ones? Are we on to the bizarre? I think we're on to the bizarre. Okay, let's hear it. So with the Lynn with the face shield with the Eastern European women rant. Oh man, I think she's gonna be in every single bizarre moment. She's she's <laughs> gonna be in a lot of them. Um. She, the only thing that, uh, you know, was a positive about her was, she, was that she was a Bears fan, you know, because oh, at yeah, least so I knew great. she had no happiness coming from football. <laughs> uh, that made me feel good about it, you know? Uh, but she was a very interesting sports fan because it was, obviously she was from Chicago. She let everyone know that uh, within the first couple of minutes of meeting her. Uh, but <clears throat> we tried to talk to her once about the Bears. I remember, Greg, you asked her a question about, you know, like, you know, what, what's the QB of the future? Is it Foles? Is it, is it Trubisky? Like, what do you think? And she's like, she just gives the answer. I just want a QB that wins. I just, I just want to, I just want to win. And that made me think. So Tyler Bray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, that made me think, I don't think she knows who Trubisky or Foles is. I don't think she knows the players on the team very well. I think she just watches the games kind of like very simply like looking at the scoreboard and the clock for three hours yeah it's just like go bears go bears go bears go bears but doesn't actually pay attention to the players that's what it made me think of and then i I just kept thinking about that when she kept coming she kept coming in and being like they won't put the bears game on in the lobby you know on football sunday and it was like well of course they're not gonna put the bears game on in the lobby (laughs) we're not in the bears time zone yeah i had to explain that it wasn't the local broadcast (laughs) and that niner seahawks was going to get the priority there (laughs) 
Sam, you'll be right. It actually didn't even occur to me that she might not have known who either Foles or Trubisky was. Just the way she talked about football made me think. I mean, of course, there's nothing wrong with just supporting a team and, you know, not really knowing the players and stuff. But, I mean, the fact that, A, she was a Bears fan and, B, she was clearly very passionate, but, like, like passionate. Like, I don't understand how you can be passionate about a sport but clearly not know very much about it. And she seemed to be that she seemed to fit that cubbyhole, and that was bizarre. I don't know. We I guess we had to dig a little bit deeper into her life story to unlock the secret to that one. You're probably right, and that's why it'll remain a mystery, you know. <laughs> Unless we have her on, hey, if you're listening, Lynn, potty train me. We're here for you. Oh, okay. Well, she is the subject of my first bizarre moment. Ian already touched on the beef between the two Lynns right. a little bit and how we were the middlemen because each one thought that we were on their side when really we just kind of thought the whole thing was ridiculous. Uh, so how it was supposed to work, we had a lot of PPE there and there were what, 18 to 20 voting booths or something all spaced apart. And we were supposed to every hour, just wipe them down <laughs> really easy. Yeah. And on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we didn't have a ton of voters coming in because I didn't even know that you could vote on Saturday and Sunday and Monday. So I think most people probably also didn't know. Right. I kind of just thought it was like mail-in ballot, vote on Tuesday. It was very poorly advertised that you could indeed vote on during the weekend. And I thought that was very silly. But Yeah, well, so, you know, the first Lynn comes up and tells us that we need to wipe down the booths every hour and maintain that strict schedule. And then the second one is like, you know, I'm thinking we're not going to have a ton of people. Like there was a lot of dead time yesterday. We could probably just wipe them down every time we see someone use it yeah, and not have to wipe them every hour. Cause it probably was going to save a lot of wipes too. And then the first Lynn asserts that we need to maintain the strict schedule and they kind of start bickering at it a little bit. And each one of us gives us a look of like, Oh yeah, this chick is crazy. <laughs> And, but the worst part was the first Lynn comes back to us like 10 minutes later and was like, you know, I'm thinking that we don't even need to wipe these down every hour. We can just wipe them off after we see somebody use it because it'll be easy enough to keep track of since there aren't a lot of people. Right. And then she walks away and we're like, uh, isn't that exactly what the other person just said? <laughs> and the answer was yes. So that was quite bizarre to me. Yeah, uh, that, that, that was a very funny moment. <laughs> it made me have a greater appreciation for the fact that people are just kind of weird. Yeah, and they don't always work well together. No, no not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I'm not saying I was compatible with either personality, but those two. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, well, I'm sure you could list off like 20 bizarre moments, but we did narrow it down to three. Yeah. Hit me with it. Of course. So there was one moment, I think you were on your lunch. Um, so it was just me, uh, the more sane Lynn and her husband, the one who freaked out about the line and yelled at the camera. Yeah, President guy. Nixon. Right. So <laughs> kind of a tense situation because they're, you know, they have their marital bickering. I just chose to try to tune it out and focus on tearing stickers and other menial tasks. But at some point they try to engage me in conversation. Um, and the man, her husband, uh, he just automatically is like, Hey, you need a smog, <laughs> you need a smog for your car. And I was like, Oh, uh, uh, and he doesn't let me, he just keeps going. He's like, cause I actually, I know a great smog guy and he lists this random smog shop. Cause I've been going there 15 years and I'm like, thank you so much. Uh, I actually got my car smogged. <laughs> Um, in April, so I, I actually don't need I don't need a smog at this at, at this moment. He's like, oh, you, you already got your car smog. And I was like, yes, I I already got my car smog. <laughs> and then the conversation ended there. Um, that was kind of bizarre. I mean, I I th I think he was just trying to be nice and uh, didn't really know how to start a conversation. But this started at a at a at a smog place was interesting and uh, quite bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely want to stress that this guy wasn't a bad guy by any means. No. But he most definitely deserves to be in the bizarre category. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. I actually didn't even know that. That's a great one. Yeah. No, it was it was, it was a weird it was a weird moment. Yeah. Oh, kind of bummed <laughs> I missed that. 
Ooh, okay. Well, you're going to really appreciate this next one because what was kind of ridiculous to me was the amount of random food that everyone wanted us to eat. <laughs> like on the first day, we're eating lunch with a couple of the older workers, as we said, and they kept just shoving food in our face, like wanting <laughs> us to finish off their meal, which we still don't know where that came from. I they because they, they got those meals multiple days. They must have got them from the hotel, but I never saw them get the meals. I only saw them with the meals. So yeah, it was I know. Very strange. And these big like black styrofoam mm -hmm. square boxes. Yeah, and they were always like. Well, when we ate lunch with them, it was like a weird brunch ensemble of like <laughs> overcooked bacon and waffles and like, you know, cafeteria eggs. <laughs> and then they keep handing us stuff like finish this half of like my eggs. Here's some chocolate milk. Here's a grapefruit. And it was very nice of them. Oh, I got offered to finish some bacon. Like yeah. I was like, I'll pass, man. And it was like, I was like, dude, thanks. But like COVID. You know, like, yeah, no, they're not, definitely they're not eating your food. Good. And then remember the, the crushed prepackaged food that was labeled as free food left on the counter? <laughs> I think that was definitely one of the wins that put it there. But it was like a smushed, like, breakfast sand, prepackaged breakfast sandwich and a smushed, a clearly smushed muffin. Prepackaged again. <laughs> And then, like, you know, it was on one of those newspapers and just scrawled on with pen free food over the words. We also learned about College Night at the Drunken Crab, which actually <laughs> is did. coming this Tuesday, Tuesday before Thanksgiving, when no college students are going to be here. Right. Yeah. No, that, that was a funny. <laughs> what were the three other nights? Firefighters Night, Church Night. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It was really odd that we were included in the mix, but. Yeah, well, we were let in, you know, it was really Lynn's way of letting us in on some deals that were happening yeah. around town. Hey, early shout out to Lynn and the Drunken Crab. Yeah, shout out to the Drunken Crab. Oh my god. Ugh, ridiculous. Okay, well, I mean, once again, we had a fat list, but what made the cut? This is your final bizarre moment. Oh, final bizarre moment. I'm trying to think. Um... Ooh. Why don't you go first? I need to ruminate a little more. Okay, well, I have a pretty good one. And honestly, this could be a joint bizarre moment if you like, because I think we had about the same ridiculous reaction to it. So this was Monday, because it was after Sunday when we were just like obsessing over how football was ruining our day. Right. Um, and early in the morning, like polls are opening in 10 minutes. It's like 8.50. And there's one of the women who was one of... What do you call the people who just worked at the desk? The clerks. So oh, there the was clerks. the clerks, okay, the yeah. leads, and then there was us. Well, she was one of the clerks, and she makes this announcement and tells everyone to not spend time on their phones, <laughs> especially when voters were in the building because it wasn't exactly a good look. Yeah. And I didn't really disagree with that. You know, like, that's cool. And it was fine to have the reminder, except she spent probably 223 of the next... 240 minutes on her phone at the desk easily yeah it was so infuriating because she would she had given me some clairs the day before you know for being on my phone i mean i'm, I'm assuming for being on my phone because she made that announcement the next day and so she's making the glares and then she makes the announcement and then she's sitting on her phone and I'm like staring at her <laughs> the next day trying to make like eye contact with her like what the hell huh wasn't there one point, because at one point we did have to count the amount of people because max occupancy was 32. Right. And so we're just looking around. And I think there might have been one other person <laughs> in the building who wasn't on their phone. It was quite slow that day, as I recall. It, Actually, I think it was Lynn reading the newspaper. Yeah, well, Lynn didn't. She, I don't think she had a phone or if she did. She just left it in her car or something. She never had a phone. Yeah, we never saw it. Yeah, because she would always ask me the time. She'd always come up to me, do you, do you have the time? Because I wear a watch. So I'd have to tell her the time like once an hour. But it also could have been a conversation starter. It could have been. Yeah, could have been. I guess we'll never know. So many things we're never going to know. I thought we had it all figured out. But as we're <laughs> ruminating here and just reminiscing, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things that are still to be determined. As it should be. You know? Yeah. As it should be. Hey, maybe we'll reunite with... Uh, with the ones who were also happy about the results of the election sometime in the winter. So, yeah. 
We will see. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's been so great going back on all these memories, but we do have an every slap tells a story. And uh, Ian claimed to be an avid listener of Potty Train Me, so I know he knows what's coming. <laughs> but I actually have multiple slaps, so I'll go first. We'll do a little sandwich effect here. Right. Um, Tom Petty, legend, one of the greats. Absolutely. Very popular in this house, minus one and a half people yeah, minus one and a half yeah yeah but absolute legend and i think he really said it best because indeed after four years of what we just went through the waiting is the hardest part <laughs> simple but accurate he just knew yeah yeah definitely yeah well what do you got all right so from one of my one of the bands that I grew up listening to in my house, Chicago. Nice. Classic also ties into Lynn. Yeah. In her hometown. Uh, the song, Does Anybody Even Really Know What Time It Is? <laughs> and that I mean, every time Lynn asked me what time it was, I just thought of that song. That that song also features prominently in the Whole Foods soundtrack. Wow. And, uh, you know, I spent this summer working at Whole Foods in the produce department. Shout out to Jeff Bezos, I guess. Uh, and so I heard that song quite a bit because you know I'd be there for <clears throat> the entire soundtrack, so I'd hear it loop. So that's that, that's my sound sound song. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that Jeff Bezos just got a shout out on Potty Train Me, but you also completely exceeded my expectations there, tying in the location mm -hmm. with the name of the band. Right. Does anybody know what time it is? That is that's perfect. That is perfect for Lynn. <laughs> If you guys don't know Lynn, which you don't, I hope you feel like you know her now. I feel like we've given a glimpse. Yeah, we've given a good glimpse. Well, this has been a really special time, and I don't want to take this whole process and the election result for granted at all. So I'm going to pick one of the hardest slaps out there, which is complicated by Avril Lavigne. Nice. And Donald, you look like a fool to me. <laughs> Tell me, why do you have to go and make things so complicated? Like, dude, chill out. What you yelling for? You lost. It's over. <laughs> I don't usually sing on the podcast, but unless I'm in like a really good mood, but uh -huh. it was a pretty good thing that happened. So if you could only let it be, you will see somebody else in the White House. We don't want you back. So you just relax. <laughs> You're trying to be cool, but you look like a fool to me and 74 million other Americans. You lost the election, ho, so get the fuck out. Why nice. do you have to go and make things so complicated? <laughs> well put. <laughs> and a big shout out to Avril Lavigne because, I mean, she has multiple slaps, but that one might be the hardest of all the slaps. Yeah, no, that's a great song. And your rendition... Perfect. Oh, thank you. You know, I, I try really hard. Uh, if you listen back a couple episodes ago, I actually had a whole Hamilton remix NFL edition. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you're the king of the parody song, you know? Yeah. No doubt. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll be back with more. I guess the stakes are higher now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. 48 minutes in. Wow. We're doing well. Okay. Um, It is almost time for the end of the show, but as everybody knows... We don't get out of here without shout outs. And as the guest, I want to let you go first on this one. Well, I'd like to start my shout outs by retracting my shout out to Jeff Bezos because he's <laughs> he's just awful and I dislike him. Um, <laughs> I'd like to shout out uh, my roommate, Nico. You know, he's a, a, an engineering major. He's kind of going through hell right now trying to do labs online and he's actually in a, a five-year program to get a graduate degree and a bachelor's degree. And, you know, he's just, uh, he's a model of everything I want to be academically. He's just able to study so hard and so committed and he works on the side and he just amazes me every day. I love him. I love that. Big shout out to Nico, uh, one of the smartest people in the world, even Absolutely. though he left bread in the toaster today. So he's, he's yeah. one of those kind of smart people, if you know what I mean. But grinds like no one else in this house and we know he's going to get through this quarter because i mean fuck he deserves some time off absolutely 
Uh, well, I would like to give two shout outs. Actually, one of them is to Warriors shooting guard, Clay Thompson. Uh, I love you, man. And I'm praying for your full recovery. That's going to be very emotional when he returns to the court after missing two straight seasons. It's, um, it's absolutely terrible. Yeah. That was really hard news to swallow, but he'll be back. And, uh, I know he can do it. This yeah. has not been a very fun time in American life to say the <laughs> least. Um, but then my other shout out, I honestly just want to shout out my family because when the election was called shortly before 8.30 a.m. on November 7th, those were the people I celebrated with on FaceTime for about an hour. Uh, I was by myself drinking mimosas in the front yard, but I was <laughs> the farthest thing from alone in that moment. So thank you to my family. And I know that we all waited a long time for that moment. So. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, look, as we wrap things up here, uh, what we did was pretty cool. But as I told my mom when I called her after that 15-hour workday and she assured me that winning the election was still a possibility, I don't want any credit. I just want to be on the right side of history. So, Ian, I'm glad we did it together. I appreciate you taking the time to make your potty train me debut. Hell yeah, it's been an honor. And we're gonna, we'll have to have you back as an established veteran in the future. <laughs> uh, if you made it to this point in the episode... I want to say thank you so much for listening to the stories that we will live to tell for many years to come. And I hope that you have had a chance to let out a big exhale in the past few weeks. We have a lot more that needs to get done, but this was a crucial first step in the right direction. Things will get better. Uh, and in the meantime, take nothing for granted. Any final thoughts? It's, uh, no, I don't think I do. All right, right on. <laughs> Our work here is done. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back shortly with a fiery episode. Till then, hang tight. Peace. <laughs>